This is Spoiler Country, a podcast about comics, movies, whatever, but mostly comics. Enjoy. Previously on Spoiler Country. Yeah, it was all such an ass. It was yeah. all, you know, ooh, look at this. You had Spawn and then you had Spawn. About the only thing you had to read. Okay, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kendrick Regan. That is Johnny Horsley over there. We are a podcast about mostly comic books. We like to talk about other things, but it always comes back to comic books, right? Every time. Every time. And I think we've actually said this. Today, on the docket, we're going to talk about Tart. And who was the man that created Tart, Johnny? Kevin Joseph from Catch All Comics. That's right. This was a very interesting book. It was not what I was expecting, which was a pleasant surprise. I agree. It was. I, did, I went into it thinking it was going to be one thing and came out of it completely different, which was nice. Yeah, when you see the marketing and you see the posters and you see the pictures of, of Tart Acid, that's the, the main character's name, you have a very specific idea in your head of what this is going to be like. And in my mind, it was Don. You remember Don from the 90s? Oh, yeah. Joseph Michael Linsner's Dawn, yeah. Yeah, that's what was in my head when I saw the posters and everything going on. I can see that, yeah. And so when I opened up the book and started reading it, I was very much surprised that it was a very sound and unique story that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I did too. Like I, I found it, how, how we came across this book, because I found it on Kickstarter, because I was looking for interesting comics to back, and I, I came across it, and I'll be honest, the reason why I backed it is there's the drawing of tart acid with the smoothie drinking it i was like that this looks really cool this i want to see what this is all about so i backed it yeah. and then i ended up becoming on to kevin's email list where he was talking about sandman and talking about the comic and stuff and then he's going to comic-con and then we got to go to comic-con so a couple That's episodes right. we actually talked to him on uh, you know we actually talked to him at comic-con a little short review about tarts you've probably heard about it, i was talking about before so he gave us a copy of the first three issues to read and to review and go over that's kind of you know, we decided we read it i read it first i was like hey kendrick you got to read this it's, it's actually it's a lot better than i thought it was going to be the, the best way to describe the story i'm just going to use the quote from his website which is it's like buffy if the hero had to find the demons hiding in time yeah it was really a neat concept i mean I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to go about reading it. And it kind of just goes right into the story. It just you know? jumps in. It no just waiting. jumps in. Yeah, there's no waiting. There's no buildup, which I actually kind of like because it just gets going. And then you start getting the nuances, not the nuances. You start getting the backstory as it goes. Not even even a backstory. You just start getting an understanding of what's happening as it goes. Yeah, he does a great job of weaving in that what's going on without having to do a whole like section of exposition of explaining everything and kind of just weave naturally into the story as Tart's going through doing her things. Yeah. And, but he's left it open really well for backstories. And so you can have a lot of pre story stuff and you can have a lot of posts. So there's, there's, there's a lot to the universe that can happen within this. There is, there is. And we read the first three. I have issues four and five that I'm going to be reading here pretty soon. And I was talking to Kevin last night and they're doing, he's doing another Kickstarter for issue six come September. Oh, great. I'll definitely back that. Yeah, I want, I'm going to back it because I, I want to get it. And I, cause I'm going to read issues four and five as soon as I you know have the time to. I, I got started reading it. I just got entranced with it. I, just, I wanted to just, I just kept going. I didn't want to stop. And I just read the whole thing. You know, the first three issues just all in one, one swoop. And by the end of it, I was like, this was good. I want to read more. And yeah. I would have read more if I wasn't, you know, had to stop and do other things with life. <laughs> so who's Tart Acid? Tart Acid is a, she's a character. She's a redhead. She looks young. I'm not too sure how young she is and how long she's been doing what she's doing. But it seems like it's, she's been recruited by some type of group that sees something, that's something special about Tart and amongst all the people that they end up recruiting and what they can do. She's not your normal person. She has 
some abilities that make people very nervous for her to be around. And when, she, much so. <laughs> yeah, when she makes a threat, it's taken very seriously. There is people that allow for time jumping to happen, and she she literally jumps into their body. That's the only way I can. Oh, the, it's like you see the cosmos. Guys. Yeah, you see the cosmos yeah. within them, and then she jumps in and goes to wherever she needs to be. Uh, it's the way that was drawn was so good. Yeah, the art in it was unique. I liked the way that it was. It wasn't a. It kind of reminded me of American Pop. Did you ever watch that movie? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> oh, okay. So Ralph Bankin Bass, you know who he is? I know the name. Okay, so Ralph Bankin and, and Bass, and now I can't remember. They did the original Hobbit cartoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. They have another movie that's around rock and roll. It's called American Pop. Um, you should probably watch it. You might actually really enjoy it. And the art is, it's not the same. It's just, I, I felt like the vein was there. You know what I mean? Right, right. It captured the mo- the uh, the moment of it. Yeah, it, yeah it, it it's it's esque. It's American pop esque in the art itself. But it's, you know, you'll probably read it and go, "You're insane." That's nothing like it. But <laughs> that's what it reminded me. That's what came to my mind when I was reading it. Not the story in any way, just the art itself. Right. Okay. It's funny. The art's done by a guy named Ludo who's out of France. So it's interesting because the the art's very. It has this European feel. To me, it has a European yeah. feel to it in the way that he picks the color tones and the way he draws the characters. It's interesting having this feels like an American story done with uh, with the European art feel to it because to me, there's a difference between European art and American art. Just it, just the way things are drawn and the way mm-hmm. colors are done, and it's a good co- it's a good combination. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting idea, or not an idea, but that's an interesting uh, concept. I don't think I've ever really correlated yeah. those two like that but it makes sense i mean people's worldview and people's uh yeah you know the experiences completely changes the art of what they're drawing well it changes the way they right. do their stuff so that's that's an interesting that's an exactly. interesting concept yeah. i don't think i've ever put those two together so if you look at like if you look at the company gear yeah. up comics the company that did valerian and stuff like that and you just look at the, uh, the art and the color schemes and the way things are handled in say that book versus the way it's handled in a, a mainstream American comic book. It's you can definitely see similarities, but you can also see you know that where things are changed, where things are pushed differently, where things are drawn differently yeah. in European art. Like this book with a name like Tart and the way it looks, I really thought there was going to be some like overly sex scenes. That's what I thought. That's what I was. So you look at the art and the name Tart, and you get into it, and you think it's going to be a book that has you know. My thought was it's going to be like the '90s book, overly yeah, sexualized. That's exactly. That's why I said Don. That's what I thought. Exactly. And you get into it and Nothing like it's that. not, but there's one of the things you see in European art is they're, they're less worried about showing like a nipple or showing a little bit of nudity if it flows in with right. the story versus an American comic. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, is there a little bit of nudity in this book? Yeah, if you look for it, but does it does it affect the story? Does it change the story? No, it makes sense for what's happening in the story. So it's not it doesn't take away or take you out of the story or it's not just right. there for eye right. candy. Right, that's the difference. It's not there for the eye candy. It's there because it's just part of right. it's just life. There's a big difference. Right. There is there was one scene in the story that when I started reading that scene, I was like, Oh no, here it comes. I know here exactly what you're thinking of. I and was thinking the, the same scene. thing. Yep. But they handled yep, the it seasons. so well. Like it was yeah, the season. When when winter to when winter changed to, to fall, it hand, it was I thought or spring. Okay, it was turned to spring. I was like, Oh my god, this the here's here it happens. It's gonna nope. this is gonna be the, the titillation scene and it was done. Yeah, yeah it was done in a really cool way. And you were just like, Oh, that was really in an innocent type of way. Yeah, really, yeah. very much so. And innocent. It was done in a very innocent way. Yeah, it was. It was done tastefully too. I mean, I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, that was that makes sense, and it 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 flowed with the story, and it it fit with what was going on. I, in you the know book. what I like about that book and, too is that he doesn't over-explain anything. You know, it makes you wonder what exactly no. is going. Like the whole season thing is so different. You're like, wait, what? 
what is going on here? Because one minute she's in modern society, well, as modern as, as it can be from the 1940s or 1950s or whenever that is. 1950s, yeah. And yeah. then the next minute she's in, she goes through and she saves a kid from hell, from a demon. That was really cool. Yep. And it was different, you know? That was cool. And then she, the next minute she's, you know, in the Ice Age. You know, saving a family yeah. from starving, a freaking family of cavemen. Right, exactly. And it's like, yeah, it bounces what? around. And I think the way <laughs> that he's created this character it allows him to do it, it just, they should not have to run out of ideas. Oh, no. And just, and just to step back a second, that the, the story where she goes down into hell and deals with the demon and the kid, too much quick because yeah. it's just done so well, but it wasn't what I expected to see a kid in hell for, you know? Right, right. It was shocking. You're like, I mean, I mean it was shocking. <laughs> it was shocking, actually, because I was like reading it. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> not, and again, not to jump ahead, but I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Another shocking thing was the end of the third book. I was like, wait, what? You know? And <laughs> it just, how they just kind of, it, uh, it ends it to where it's, it's, open-ended but there's more going on and there's just not what i expected to come back when they yeah, got to I that think point it was like 100 pages and you know what it didn't feel like 100 pages no i blew i blew so through it real quick i blew right through it i was like bloop 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 and i was like oh my god i'm at the end you know what i mean <laughs> and it was just i don't know it was it was it's a it's a really fun read i, I really hope that he gets i i, I really think like an IDW, no, I mean not IDW, but i really think an image like that book would do so well at image yeah i would that book would be a, a yeah. good seller image, you know, or even a Vertigo title. I don't know that Kevin would want to give anything any kind of creator position up, you know, because creator owned, you know, to mm-hmm. get it out to the masses like that. I just think it would go really well. It's just a fun character, and you know, to, to find out there's more people like her, and that she has an office that she reports to, and you know, they're manipulating the timeline, and they're trying to. I, I think the whole. I think so. My. My feelings of when I was reading the book is that she is specifically going to certain time zones to create, to keep a timeline intact. Like these are events that make sense over the overall timeline and that she has to do certain things. But, you know, volume one ends with them saying, hey, we got to take a break. And she's like, well, what about all this stuff? They're just going to fend for themselves at this point. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) And I like that. I'm eager to jump into issues four and four and five to see what yeah, happens. Yeah, is she gonna next. go off on her own? You know what I mean? Right. I don't, I don't know. I haven't, yeah. I want to. I'm want to jump into them. Who do you think should read this book? Like, if you're interested in what, who should read this book? That's a tough question. On yeah. this book, because I really enjoyed it. I think you know what? I think if you're a sci-fi fan, I think if you liked, I don't want to say Quantum Leap. But if you like Quantum Leap, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same. Probably, I actually, I thought the same thing while probably, reading it too. Yeah, you probably would like this book if you uh, yeah, sliders you know, it, like sliders. If you like sliders, you probably would like this book. If you like the show on CW, Legends, oh, Legends of Tomorrow. Basically, if you Legends like time travel books and you like strong female characters and protagonists, this book's for you. It's it's drawn beautifully. It's written well. It deals with time travel. It deals with demons. It's it's just yeah, it's executed a little well. bit of everything, man. It's got action. Yeah. It's got adventure. It's got sci-fi. It's got elements of horror. He's put a lot into this book. You can tell he's thought really long and hard about what he's creating here. It's it shows. He's yeah. The the sweat is there, and it shows. <laughs> and for those out there who are interested, Kevin has given us a link for you to go to and sign up for his email list. And you can get a, you can get the first three issues for free if you go to catchallcomics.com slash readtart. Yeah, that's K E C H. A L comics dot com read tart T A R T. 
So Reed, check out Tart from Catch All Comics. Uh, Kevin is a great creator. He's done a really good job here. And now that we've had gone through our, our slight review, let's see what Kevin has to say. So we got Kevin Joseph on from Catch All Comics, the creator of Tart. Uh, if you haven't read it, you need to get out there and, and check it out because it's a really unique and amazing story. I got to tell you, Kevin, Johnny sent me the copy to read and, and it was not what I expected. All right. Based on the marketing and based on what you had, I, to be honest, I, I, I thought I was going to read like another Don knockoff. Okay. You know, from Dawn from the 90s. I, you I have that? good news. I cannot knock that off because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's even better. That's even better. But it was it was, it was was literally a pleasant surprise reading that book. I, 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 I wanted volume two. Well, we're working as hard as we can. We've got issues four and five done, and we're kickstarting issue six in September. So once we finish that, we finish issue seven, and you'll have your volume, uh, volume two. But issues four, five, and six are going to be available very readily very soon oh that's perfect because they they're such a unique story how did you even come up with this character it started out uh the the artist on that book is ludovic Saleh, and i i met him through a friend who um (laughs) i met her on my honeymoon which is uh, the best way to start a story um (laughs) neil gaiman was having a signing in london the same week my wife and i were going for our honeymoon and i just i looked at her and i said he's an Englishman from Minnesota is going to be in England and London the same week we are. Can we go? And she's like, yeah, I don't care. So, you know, half of my luggage nice. going to London was Neil Gaiman books uh, for the signing. That was great. Awesome. So we got there real early because I know if you don't get there early, you stay forever. And uh, it was a cold, blistery, I think it was in March, beginning of April. Um, and uh, actually, just to give him props, Neil Gaiman actually sent out hot tea to everybody who was sitting in the cold to sign for him. So one of his assistants. Oh, proper oh, so proper. So, such a gentleman. So, um, and, you know, you, you just you're there for two hours before the signing. You get talking. You have a common, you know, you're all fans. So this one girl was knew a bunch of artists and about a year, year and a half after that, she emailed me and she said she had met Ludo. And he had these characters that he was stuck on. He had, he had written himself into a corner and he didn't know where to go. And the characters were time travelers. They were demon fighters. Um, but it was more of a sitcom type of a feel. Like it was very zany and all over the place. And I didn't know, I had no idea what to do with it, but I saw his artwork. And I mean, it's, it's just, he's so beautiful. Like I, I was like, I, I can't yeah. believe I'm going to miss this opportunity. And I went to bed and I woke up at, uh, I mean, I believe it was like 3.45 in the morning. And I had this image of a young girl waking up in an alley. And she had no idea where or when she was. But she knew there was a demon she had to find and stop. And that's all I knew. And from there, it was just, let's find this particular plot for issue one. And I wrote the script and I actually, it was sort of like an audition to Ludo. Like, hey, this is the way I will play in your sandbox. Do you like it? And thankfully he said yes. And we've been, we've been working on it. Well, I got to tell you, the twist at the end of episode one or of issue one is great. Yeah. It was like, you're, you're expecting it to be like a generic demon. And then to find out that it was a complete 
flip on what was going on, you're just like, that was really cool. I I was probably two thirds of the way through it when that came to me and it just became, okay, so I feel like I'm working a cliche here. So my two writing gods are Neil Gaiman and Joss Whedon. And if you're familiar with their work, what do they do? They show you a cliche and they turn it on their head. And I was like, okay, I don't know that I can do this much because I'm not a genius like them, but I've got one. <laughs> oh, thank and that you. one worked out really well. I mean, that was beautiful. I loved it. I think my yeah, favorite part really was, nice. yeah, I think my favorite part of the, the twist was, it was, I mean, we talked about it in the review we did, but um, the winter twist, what happened, how that, how that panned out, it was not what I was expecting when I started reading that panel. I was like, oh, here's the, Here's a scene where I'm gonna be all, oh no, with you know, oh here's comes a gratuitous sex scene, and it wasn't that way at all. It came out very organic and fit oh, and was done you. very I, well. I, I think that a lot of that has to do with um, l- what Ludo brings to the table. Is he's you know he's he's a Frenchman. He is very comfortable with sensuality, but I can give him things, and the way he draws. Uh, he doesn't um, it, it isn't gratuitous it's 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 sexy it's sensual but it's not gratuitous so I think in the hands of I, I think he protected me and what I wrote with the skill he brought to the page but we don't want to we don't want to we want to be sensual we don't want to be s- well I mean I don't know some some episodes might issues might be sexual but ooh. We, yeah. we want we want to zig when you expect us to zag, right? Right. <laughs> Appropriate gratuity is always. It's, it, <laughs> yeah, because you never know. I mean, sometimes it's good to see it just kind of happen because that's how life is, you know. I I want I I want men who like to buy comics with attractive women on it to read it and enjoy it, and I want young women who well, I want women, not young women, but I want women who want to see a kick-ass woman with agency who takes care of herself to read it and like it yeah, so she, she's definitely a character that can take care of herself yeah 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 it was really neat to, to see how she unfolded it's, the color palette that that guy uses is tremendous he, he the fact that he's not coloring for marvel or dc right now is a travesty he is a genius with color it's the work he does is so beautiful yeah, it looks really nice. It, it was a fun. It was like I said. It was just a fun read. I didn't want it to end. I want. I want the next issue. Oh, you you'll love issue four because we send the girls to a tropical paradise and st- their boss goes to hell. So if you want to talk about color palette, yeah. going from hell to a tropical paradise in the water. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. It's you know that art style. What does it remind you? Does it remind you of something from a long time ago? Because I couldn't help, and and I don't think that they look anything like each other. You know what I mean? But I couldn't help but think of American Pop the whole time I was re- I was looking at it. Well, did you specifically issue one or the entire three issues? All three issues, just as an overarching okay. feel. Not the storyline, and not the uh, right. and and not really. The, but that's what kept coming into my mind is, is I kept thinking American Pop, and I loved American Pop. So I mean, I mean it's, that's not a that's not a knock in any way. Or no, 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 no. I can't tell you what what his exact inspirations were artistically, but I do know that he what he does, which is I mean, honestly, 
Ludo is the true MVP of this because you know I, I'm writing to inspire him because if you've got a if you've got a stallion, what you want to do is just direct him in the right way, you know, the right yeah angle, and let him do the work. He he takes a script and he thinks about the theme, the time period, and he colors it and draws it based on that. Issue two, he painted the entire issue two because we're sending her back to an ice age and he he didn't feel like if he drew it it would feel cold enough but if he painted it it would i think that was my favorite issue that was a good one i like i love the fact that each the 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 first three issues each one of them while they don't they don't you know it's not like a a drastic difference in the artwork but they each have their own feel to it they each have their own color palette their own they, their own emotions come from each issue because of the the way it's done, but it's definitely you can tell it's done in this, you know it's not all the same character. But the first one has that old timey feel with the the paper background behind it. Second mm-hmm. one's very white, very very cold. Yeah. You know, it, it's done. I just I loved it a lot. I was I was a huge fan of the way it was the way the stories progressed and the way the artwork was you know portraying those stories. Uh, and, and we also grew. This is both of our real really both of our first book. Uh, you know, <clears throat> sorry. I work on other comics and, and he had been working on other comics, but really truthfully putting a book together and getting it out to an audience, this is really our rookie effort. So I, I believe you can also see some growth for both of us, you know, not, not just in the artwork, but in the writing. It's a beautiful book, dude. You guys did a, a tremendous job and I can't wait to see where it goes. No, oh, thank you. We, I, I think you're going to really dig issues four and five because we get to, you know, issues one, two, and three are about meeting Tart. We want you to meet yeah. the the lead character. Well, issue four, it's like well, she's not the only one. Let's introduce you to the other people she works with. And I and I, they're all kind of teenage girls, and they don't really trust each other. And that's fun to play with as a writer. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. How, where was the inspiration to come up with the uh, winter to spring like that? <sighs> That, that's where my Sandman influence came, came in that, you know, that personification of, of abstract beings. Yeah. To be be honest, when, when I finished issue one, I knew that I wanted her to go to immediately to one of two places. I either was going to drop her in a bathing suit in the middle of the ocean or I was going to drop her into a snowdrift. And I asked yeah. Ludo which he wanted to do, and he said the snowdrift sounded exciting. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, the way you've written her and the universe that you're creating, God, the sky's the limit on what you can make her do and where she can be. I love I, it. It's so much fun to to find life's mysteries. and it's like You can't them. run out of ideas with her. I mean, I hope I can't. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's 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 great. You name me an urban legend. You name me, um, you know, a mythical creature. You name me a haunted oh. area. Like, you know, what you should do. Um, Here's an idea for you, Kevin. Take it as you want. I will not confirm the, or deny if you say something we're doing. Just so you know. Yeah. No. The the, uh, the New Jersey man eater that Jaws is made off of. Okay, I can I can confirm that I don't know that story, so we're not doing it yet. But you can tell me. You should read it. It's a it's about a you know because you've seen Jaws, obviously. Yes. And that's taking from the scene that happened in New Jersey almost a hundred years ago, or maybe over a hundred years ago now, 
where the shark literally swam up the waterway oh, really? and killed like two or three people on this on its way up a freshwater spring a freshwater so, river so that was benchley's inspiration the real story yeah wow i did not yeah know. you should check it out it'd be really interesting because they obviously took a lot of liberties and completely changed it right but that's where the right. inspiration came from very interesting and, now, yeah, I mean it's a part of history, and it's a it's a cool part of the country too. So it'd be an, an interesting thing. have tart fight a shark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the tart shark. <laughs> it's, I'm just saying. Have you read the books? Have you read the books, The Incarnations of Immortality by Piers Anthony? I have not. No, I know. I know his. Because that's what I thought of when you did Winter to Spring. Oh, okay. Because the whole concept of incarnations is that the office of death and God and Satan and uh, fate and time and war and all these are all offices held by mortal people and that while they're in the office and making the, all these supernatural things run so that the normal so that the mortal world can run correctly they are immortal during that time Ooh, okay that's very interesting yeah. the first one is called on a pale horse and it's about a guy that takes over the office of death and you and you go through with him through the beginning all the way until he's, you know, normal guy doing his thing, do, just running the office of death. <laughs> as, as he did. But it was the personification of, of of a service, or how do you say this? The, the personification of the mo- something yeah. ethereal. The most interesting thing about that is, did Terry Pratchett read that? Did Neil Gaiman read that? Am I? Am I getting, am I third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation of my inspirations doing things like that? And I, I couldn't yeah. tell you that. I, I, have I can almost guarantee you that Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett have both read Pierce Anthony. I, I think Neil yeah. Gaiman's read everything ever written. <laughs> yeah, Pierce Anthony was like really prolific in the 70s and the early 80s. Oh, yeah. And then he had a whole book a series called the Xanth series, which is like a, it's, it's kind of like Harry Potter before Harry Potter was ever thought of. You know what I mean? Okay. And it's, um, I mean, it's just about a magical land. It's, it's, it was very much made for preteen girls. Hey, Tons I love of stuff for preteen girls. I, I'm a big yeah. Robin McKinney did a great fan. Job I'm it. a big Buffy fan. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you'll fit right in with us. <laughs> yeah. I love Buffy and Angel, man. Oh, I'm a huge fan of those shows. So great. Yeah. So, I, but seeing that that spring to winter like that, or that winter to spring like that, really harkened back a lot of that kind of stuff. I loved it. I thought it was. That was a great twist. Well, I mean, wasn't ready for I, it. I'm, oh, that's great. I'm glad you weren't ready for it, and I'm glad we could do it. I actually realized one one cool thing about doing it on your own and not not working for anybody else is, I think when I we first clocked that story in at 20 pages, I think, and I read that conversation between Winter and Tart before before the you know the the action that that makes the transformation. And it was just so rushed. It was so, it was just, I as a writer knew where we were going and it was just too rushed and it was wrong. And because we do it ourselves, I was able to say to Ludo, I really think we need two more pages. And that conversation was able to spread out a little bit and flow. And if I worked for Dark Horse, couldn't have done it so it probably is better you know for that story that we have that that opportunity to expand or contract 
it's funny that you say Dark Horse because we were talking about it. And what we're, do, we're going to do is we did a review of it, and then we'll we'll splice it in with this with us talking here. Oh, but, that's great because I honestly I listen to the podcast I'm on at least this time. I can pretend it's not because I'm a total glory hound who wants to hear the sound of his own voice. So this is great. You give me plausible <laughs> deniability. I love it. Yeah, no problem. We're here for you, man. <laughs> it's but it's funny that you bring up Dark Horse because we were talking about the book, and we're like, man, this story. It's great that you guys are doing independent because we love independent. That's where you find the new stuff. That's where you get the next big thing or even something that you just love. Maybe it's never a big thing, but you love it so much, you support it, and you go through and you read them all. You right. know? But we just felt like this story is like, wow, man, this thing would go so well at Image or at Dark Horse or at you know or Vertigo or any of those kind of companies that would you know push it to that next level because everything's there, man. We're- Everything is there. Our goal is to make a Vertigo level book. Yeah. And whether well, I think you guys are, I think you guys whether are we put it out or someone picks us up, that I'm not. That, that, yeah, I, my joke is I want to be Stan Lee the writer, not Stan Lee the publisher. So if, <laughs> if we found a Stan Lee the marketer, <laughs> I mean, if you're a writer, you better be able to market. But I, I certainly would love it if someone who was smarter about you know the the business side than me could come in so if we find a group that that sees the merit in having us and and the merit in putting us next to say a, a faith and angel at, at at dark horse or or you know vertigo or whatever the image whatever it is we would i wouldn't say no I, i'd be ecstatic yeah um but m- my goal is to make a vertigo or image level book and let the chips fall where they may and, and Dark Horse as well. I love that you guys are independent. I think that's I think it's amazing. I we we talk about you guys now, and then we're just going to keep pushing it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think I think if your goal is to be that be that good as you know an image of Vertigo Tati, you're already there. Like your your books, like I said I really enjoyed it. You know, and I I immediately I, I finished reading. It, I immediately sent to Casey. Can you have to read this? Read it now. Here's the book. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's exciting. That's great so, to hear. It is. It is, and I you said I, I enjoy it. I do have a question for Absolutely. you though um, that I just kind of want you to answer. The and I I know the answer already because I read it on your Twitter, but I kind of want you to go through the story. But the uh, the page in your book where it says breaks over back on your head. Oh. Do you want to explain that? Okay, so when I was a kid, we were working out in the the yard, and uh, it, it was, you know I'm I'm from South Florida, and even though it wasn't as hot then as it is now, it could it could hit ninety. So we were out working. I think we were doing sod, if I can remember right. But it was a hot day, and, you know, we took a break. We ordered pizza, and we got it in. And after we ate the pizza, my dad said, breaks over, back on your head. And I just looked at him like, what are you talking about? So he told me this joke. And the uh, joke is the guy dies. He goes up to the pearly gates, and St. Peter's looks at his record and goes, this has never happened before. And the guy says, well, what do you mean? He said, you have neither lived lived a life good enough to ascend into heaven nor evil enough to go to hell. I don't know what to do with you. And uh, he goes, just hold here for one moment. He walks in. He walks back out. He says, I spoke with the big guy. And he says that you can take a tour of the two places and that you can choose. And he says, okay. So they walk him into heaven. He walks in. You know, there's streets of gold, but all the angels are down there with toothbrushes polishing the streets of gold. And they're 
backbreaking work to build the homes that they live in and they're all sweating and dirty and he kind of looks around heaven he's like okay can i see hell he goes sure so he takes saint peter takes him down to hell and it's just one big room all of the souls are in the room they're drinking beer they're laughing they're having a great time the only problem is they're sitting up to their ankles about their calves and shit that guy goes well I don't like the smell of shit, but this seems a lot more fun than heaven. He goes, I'm going to stay here. St. Peter says, no problem. I'll see you later. St. Peter disappears. Satan walks in. He goes, all right, break silver back on your heads. (laughs) So I wrote that. I read that punchline in the book, and I, 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 I never, I, I was like, this is a placeholder, and I never could come up with a better line, even though I knew no one would understand the joke, but it works. I think it's great. I actually told that joke to my wife after you uh, the other night, and she's like, "That was a long ass joke, but rewarding <laughs> at the end." <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And it. what's funny is I, I actually I actually read that uh, your explanation on Twitter before I read the book. So when I got to that part in the book, I was like, "Oh, I know what that means." <laughs> You're the only only person who's come into that that caption with with the backstory. That's funny. <laughs> I. I feel more in more enlightened because of I, that. I certainly <laughs> haven't met anybody who's heard that joke. I mean, my dad knows a lot of jokes, but that's the only one I've ever told that no one has ever heard so far. My dad that's knew a, a lot one. of jokes too. And I never, I never heard that one either. It's, it's a good one though. Let's talk about cons. And I, I'm curious as a, as a fellow creator myself, I have, what's your takeaway of doing cons? <sighs> book? How do you feel it's, that does for you? Um, exhausting and exhilarating and can be tough on your wallet. But yeah. you, you gotta yeah. you gotta figure out which ones you can do, and you gotta do them. I think that if you're not hitting cons, you're missing a huge place to 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 really make your mark with people. But boy, if you if you make the mistake and go to the wrong one uh, with the wrong material, it can be it can be soul breaking because you don't sell much and boy it can be wallet breaking too <laughs> so you have to be careful but you have yeah. to do it was uh was san diego was san diego this year your first west coast con uh, yeah first ever and i want to get back to the west coast but you know talk about wallet breaking i'm not okay. sure that i could do that again without the i, I mean I, I don't know if in your review you told the people anything about how we got there I didn't because I wanted I wanted you to tell that story. We 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 had a yeah we have mutual friends down here who've been there for about gone to San Diego for about three or four years, and they just this year they couldn't swing the whole booth because San Diego is it's not cheap expensive yeah it's I mean it's crazy expensive compared to expensive conventions but right. it's the biggest in the world I'm not complaining about the value I'm just telling a fact you know so they said we we we'd really like someone to to come help us with the expense and then you'd get your chance to be there and I thought about it for you know about literally it took me about two days to come back and say yes because it was such a a big gamble monetarily well even at I, splitting it even splitting it yourself looking at looking at a lot of money Splitting this table for half the booth was still more than I've ever paid for a booth. Exactly. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so for an entire booth at New York Comic Con, 
which is, you know, either the second or the biggest compared, you know, how you want to do the math, right. um, is still less than half of a booth at San Diego, but it's also San Diego, you know? So exactly. it's I Mecca. thought about it's it and Mecca. I, yeah, it is. It was great. It was great to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm, 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 you can hear my voice. I still can't talk from it, but I'm glad <laughs> I went. Um, but we did a Kickstarter to print a new issue one because Tart was always has always been the trade paperback with the first three issues, and I run into sometimes that twelve dollar entry point at a convention being just too high, and right. so I really wanted a four dollar entry point. Like if you're a little interested, give me four dollars and and see if you like it. And if you're pretty interested, give me 12 and, and read the first three issues. And I'm pretty sure you're going to fall in love. I think I can get right. you infatuated with issue one. And I think you can fall in love with, with the trade paperback. Um, right. So yeah, that issue one, man, it just rips you right from the beginning goes. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Cause there's no like, you know what I mean? There's nothing like, there's no buildup. It's just like, let's kick some ass and go right now. I, I loved it. I like, I like books that, that, respect me as a as a reader so that's how i try to do my stories i try to just kind of trust that you're gonna catch on to what we're doing um and so far that's that's what i found <laughs> you know if yeah. you trust the reader they'll they'll make it work for you yeah it's much yeah. better than spending four pages explaining every little nuance of your story before you even get into the story which some people do and it's like come on just get into the story i just want to get into the good stuff <laughs> Unfortunately, I found sometimes with indie books, if you open it up and the inside front cover is eight paragraphs, yeah, <laughs> I, I've Don't pretty that. much <laughs> learned that that's that's it. nine nine times out of ten, it's probably not going to be a book that I like because it's they didn't trust me to find it in the story, um, right? Yeah, but that one time out of ten, it might be amazing. So I still try to read it, but right. you know, yeah, take it as, take it as it is, but. Yeah, you're right. If it's if the first couple pages are just tons of paragraphs, it's going to be too much of an investment to try and get past because like, I don't trust you as a reader. And you get to, I want I don't want to be a baby when I read. I want to read and find figure stuff out because the whole joy of reading something new is oh I figured this out or oh this that's cool as it, it comes along. And my favorite books I read over and over and over again. And and if there's something you didn't catch the first time, it's more rewarding if you catch it the second, third. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've read American Gods like six or seven times. Now each time I find something new. Oh, I bet. I bet with that book. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> such a good book. So, I don't know. But but anyway, we did we did the Kickstarter, and that it gave us those books, and it gave me our Kickstarter backers bought me like 175 issues that I could just give away. So I went yeah, there awesome. with 175 issues technically bought. So that kind of covered my booth and then you know we made a little you know so then it's just airfare and hotel which is still a lot but you know with the right. sales at the con you cover the airfare and then okay you're at the hotel but okay so you paid $800 to go to San there. Diego Comic Con <laughs> I mean that's not right. bad <laughs> no it's not and the you know being at San Diego people see you there's a huge you know a lot of traffic so your name gets out there too which is really nice uh, you know, it was. I I'm, I don't regret going at all. I mean, we'll have to see with this next Kickstarter whether or not we can afford to go back next year. But but uh, if if we make the jump, we've been making about six to seven thousand dollars Kickstarter, which is 
wonderful, and I am I'd be ecstatic with three thousand to print the book. So don't don't get me wrong, six thousand right. is cool. <laughs> but if we make the jump from six to ten or twelve, I'll know I've got to go back to San Diego because it paid off. Yeah, yeah. Well, we hope you go because we're going to be there. Yeah, we'll be there next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can I cannot wait. But you know, if we can't make it back to San Diego, we'll have to try to find another West Coast. I, I think I don't know if I said on the podcast when we talked, but I have a, one of my best friends just moved to Seattle, so I have a couch to sleep on for free. Well, that takes a huge expense oh, away from uh, Emerald City. Yeah, but I think I've already missed the cutoff yeah. for next year, so it would have to be 2019. I think. Yeah, Emerald City is a great one, though. Oh, I've heard it's good. Yeah, Emerald City is a good one. It, they support the artists. I've heard really nothing but great yeah. city. It's like like everybody. C two E two and yeah. Emerald City are the two shows I hear the most positive buzz about from creators. Yep, that's cool. So, you got anything else in the in the works? Issue six is coming out in September, so that's where my real focus is. I have. Also, other books, we've got a goofball comedy called Under Wars, which is, you know, rad scientist takes a monkey and throws him in men's tidy whities and the monkey can immediately talk because comics. <laughs> it's a softball, a volleyball bulge in his pants. So now you know why we called the company Catch-All Comics, because I had Tart and Under Wars and yeah. no way to bridge the two of them, so... <laughs> <laughs> And I'm really excited. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the artist Sean Sean Langley. If have you run into him on Twitter at all? I have not. No. no. Oh, tremendous talent and about the nicest person in all of comics. Like it makes makes Scott Snyder look like a dickhead. This guy's <laughs> nice. so nice, you know. And he just he had a break between um, book he's doing with a writer named Josh Dahl. I met uh, a couple years back. It's the book's called Rapid City, and I really recommend you check it out because that's a good one. It's uh, that's their book is a city of superheroes, and he only follows the bad guys. So it's kind of a fun little take. It's it's a good little book. But Sean is great up and coming uh, artist. His pinups with Copic markers are extraordinarily beautiful. They had a break, and I was like, I've I've had this horror western called The Hole in the Sky sitting on my desktop uh, ran through two artists that didn't work out just waiting for someone to bring it life and uh, Sean has drawn the first issue and he and I need to get together and really map out what the mini series would be because this one was just a four or five issue. Do you know what his Twitter handle is? Uh, I think it's Sean underscore Langley. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you after after the show, whatever it is. Great, great, nice. great guy. Well, we'll keep a lookout for that. That sounds amazing. Just look for his Swamp Thing. It's the most amazing Swamp Thing. It's just beautiful. Oh, I, love, I love Swamp Thing. <laughs> I, I, Bernie Wrightson was one of my favorites. Oh. Well, still is one I'm, of my favorites. You know what? <sighs> There's in, a, in an industry that has people of extraordinary talent. Bernie Wrightson just was leaps and bounds ahead of oh, everyone yeah. else. Like his work. I think of him and Frank Frazetta as the two that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Because when, when, when Bernie died, he, I, I wanted to find an image, the best image I could. I, it yeah. took me 30 minutes of going through to finally just choose one, not because it was the best, but because I couldn't look through more that were any more beautiful like it was <laughs> i know what you're saying i was i'm 43 and i remember when he came out with the base like the baseball card set of all frankenstein and then all the different horror images that he did 
and I had that complete set, and it was just that's what made me fall in love with him. And that in the, the the movie Heavy Metal. Oh, did he did he work on that? Oh yeah, the whole yeah. Well, Captain Stern is all Bernie writes. Okay, and then yep. the whole um, World War Two scene where the World War, where the fighters become zombies. Yeah, oh God. I mean, I think I saw it when I was like eight on HBO and I really had no yeah, clue what well, I was watching. Now that you know that he's worked on it, go back and look and you'll be like, that makes sense. Yeah. And that movie is amazing. I, I remember watching yeah. it in high school. I'm like, whoa, this is you know, the animation's a style and love it. <laughs> well, but that that movie and that baseball card set that he did made me love. And this is, 19, so I was 13, so it was like 1987, I think, when he came out with it, 88, when he came out with the baseball set. And it was just amazing. I mean, it was all like his version of Frankenstein and then a bunch of like the Wolfman and just a bunch of stuff, man. It just looked amazing. Then, you know, when I got a little older, I found out that he did Swamp Thing, which I didn't know. So then, of course, I got to go back and read a bunch of old Swamp Thing. had to. Just to see his art. Yeah. Yeah. And And then to see some of his Batman stuff was ridiculous. And I was really kicking myself in the the ass uh, about two years ago. I went on eBay and I'm like, I want to get some original. I want to get an original drawn Bernie Wrightson because he's not going to be around much longer and I want something that's his because I'm a collector, right? So if I get something, I don't sell it. Right. Yeah. It stays. I, I like it to, stays with me for I like to think I'm an investor and then I can't sell anything, so I'm more of a hoarder, but I, I, I yeah, appreciate exactly what you say. Well, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can I can get this now and if I wait a couple of years, I should get this and then I'll sell it and then I'll wait that couple of years and like Saga number one. I bought that for like three dollars. They had it graded nine point eight, and now it's selling for like four hundred bucks when it's graded, or five hundred bucks, or whatever. And it's like I keep telling Johnny, "Dude, I should sell that, and then we could upgrade some equipment." Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then I look at the book, and I'm like, I can't sell this. <laughs> 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 "And it happens every time." But I was, but what I was trying to say is, I went back and I found this. Somebody on eBay was selling a hand drawn, just almost on a um, like printer paper of Bernie Wrightson drawing Batman. And it looked I bet amazing. it was more beautiful yeah. than, you know, 90% of the artists sitting at their draft table. Oh, the cow had long ears pointed way out. And it just, it just looked, it would, it just looked amazing. And the guy wanted 700 bucks. And I was like, oh, I mean, I just didn't have that kind of cash to spend on it. And I totally understand. I totally understand. I understand wanting it and not being able to pull the trigger at 700. I still stand yeah. by the fact that house of secrets 92, that first bridge of swamp thing cover is one of the best covers I've ever seen in my life. Can you, can you kind of, to say which one it is. I don't know if I've seen it or not. It's the first Prince of Swamp Thing. It's where he's has the girl in the front combing oh. her hair in the mirror, and Swamp Thing's coming up behind okay. her. You know who the model of that girl was? Guess his wife. I don't know. Nope. No, it's oh, Walt really? Simonson's yeah. wife. Louise Simonson is the model. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. I think Johnny told me that. <laughs> so, so what what you're saying is I have two sources saying this is true, but they heard it from each other. <laughs> So when I, when I pass the story off and someone goes, no, it wasn't. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, you, can go, you can Google it and find out that it was her, well, I promise. I think <laughs> the most amazing story about Swamp Thing is that Lynn Ween lived in the same apartment with uh, one of the creators, I think the writer, but I don't know, and created Man-Thing at the same time, and they didn't talk about it. Oh, that's Two creators of Man-Thing and Swamp Thing lived together, created their own different characters that, you know, look very similar. 
for two different companies. What do you bet they were reading the same books and watching the same movies? Yeah. Or that, that apartment was haunted by some kind of weird vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a swamp. I'm a thing. Swamp thing, man. Thing. Well, <laughs> it looks like a man. <laughs> one, of them is, one of those characters is really good, and one of them is kind of eh. So <laughs> I don't know. I was never a Man Thing fan. I was always I always loved Swamp Thing though. But Man Thing came out like a month before, right? Uh, I think Man Thing came out after. No, I think it's the way I can't be the tiebreaker. I only know that. I heard Lin Wein talking about creating it, so I don't remember which one came first. Kevin, you I take it you read a lot of comic books, or do you kind of ferret your way through them, or what? I, you know what? I think ferreting my way through them is the best way to say it. Um, I'm yeah. not a Wednesday warrior anymore. I've done that at different times in my life and loved it. Um, I stopped when my daughter was about, my daughter's eight and a half now. I stopped going every Wednesday and picking up four to eight books when she was about one because I realized I hadn't read any of those books for that year. I had a, I had three <laughs> foot tall pile of comics i hadn't read and i was like this yeah, is once not you get good. behind you can't go back in it's, just, it's too much and I, I was like i don't even know if any of these are good i'm still buying them i don't know if they're good you know all the creative teams yeah. have changed and so now it's real you know if something really interesting like i i picked up the vision books and i have the first four vision books because i heard it was good and guess what they're sitting on my table, and I haven't read them. I have the same thing. I've heard those are great. I haven't read them yet, though. You know what you should check out if you get a chance and you have time, which you probably don't because it sounds like you're a busy man. But just one aisle past you was Stefan Franks, and he was the animating supervisor on Iron Giant, and then he worked on the Smurfs. Oh, wow. And he came out with his own – he has his own publication, just like you, called Dark Planet Comics. I think it's just Dark Planet. Yeah, Dark Planet Comics. Yeah, and he's got a – He's got a book. He's he's working on volume three called Silver. Oh, and I brought is, Silver home. I brought Silver read home. Read. Oh, I have, good. I have his, That's a I have fun, volumes. fun read. I have, I have volume one. I brought it home because he's, he seems like a nice guy, and I've seen him in New York every year, and that huge banner has spoken to me every time. That beautiful yeah. banner of the white face and the dark hair and kind of that the death from Sandman look of it. Yep. And I, I went over and I talked to him and, and I was going to buy it. And, uh, you know, we talked and I I traded him, you know, tart because I, I believe he's French, just like my artist Ludovic. So we I said, look, I'd, I'd really rather you took one of your countrymen's books, you know, so. I do have it. I have not read it yet, but boy, it looks so I, I think you're going to like it. If you get a chance to read it, definitely yeah. do it because it was a surprise for us because when we walked into San Diego Comic-Con, th- so that was my first year being at that con. Me too. I've gone to Emerald City a few times, but that was my first. And when we walked in, that was the first booth that I came to, and I walked away spending like, you know, 60 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but all three volumes, I was just like – but the cool thing is he's going to come on our show in September. Oh, God bless so him. That's going to be cool. Cool. You know, yeah. it, 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 he was a really nice guy. I, his book looks great. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to really enjoy it. And he writes and draws that yeah. whole thing. Oh, it's, so, it's amazing. So impressive. I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't put it down. Yeah. It was just like your book. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he worked on Iron Giant, right. so he probably doesn't know anything about telling a story. Or nothing. <laughs> Funny story, though, Kevin. I emailed you before Comic-Con asking, hey, if you wanted to meet up to do an interview at the show. And he's like, yeah, we tried to hook up. 
and you told me your booth number and stuff. And that was the first place we went. And I went back to a couple rows down from even Frank was Doug from Arsenic Lullaby, who I went back to his booth a couple of times. Didn't find your booth until Sunday, though, which was one aisle over. It's so big. It's, right it's so, it's right. so, <laughs> so many people. It's so easy to get lost Yo. there. I learned my first New York Comic Con. You tell people where you'll be and you try to meet up. But if it doesn't work, you don't get upset because these right. things are yeah. too big. The first New York Comic Con, I thought I was going to meet somebody and I didn't. And I was really like miffed. And then I thought about it and I was like, it's too big, man. Don't worry right. about it. Because you know, you always miss people. I have been a fan of Fabian Ranger's books for years and I follow him on Twitter. He's such a nice guy. He was with Eric Powell, I believe, like Thursday and Friday. I didn't know, but he was there until Sunday. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Sunday, he was off at another con. So I did it. I was 18 feet away from someone I wanted to meet. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just missed him. That's so funny. Yeah. So you just you just deal with it and you go okay it's cool. What has he been working on? Is- Did you see Nam Wolf? Yeah, that's the I bought all th- I bought that's, all of them. I have that's all his those. new book, Nam Wolf. Oh, see, I wanted to get the, that's the guy I wanted to meet to get his uh, to get him find those. He was off on that's, Sunday that's to read. another to another show. I have issue one oh, again. Haven't read it, but <laughs> oh yeah, but it's so he's, hard. He's, There's so many good books out there I want to read. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of good books, and you know what. Kevin, I think for my money, the writing just seems to be getting better. I kind of we we always talk about the '90s as kind of a throwaway decade when it comes to comic books because they just really concentrated on splash pages mm-hmm. more than the, the 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 writing itself. And now they've really started to meld those two together, like they were in the '70s and '80s, and you know. I I agree. I agree often. that the writing in comics right now is extraordinary. Yeah, it just seems like there people are starting to finally figure out like not only is it a great playground for people to pick out movies, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a, just a great literary playground to find something that you don't even know you'd be interested. Well, yeah, in. we mentioned Eric Powell. I mean, The Goon is a great read. It's a great read. I yeah, mean, have it's you, Have it's, you read Hillbilly? I, I have not read Hillbilly. Um, that's a good. That's another good one. And then, didn't he do Little Big Man? Have you read that? I've only read the Goon of his, and I've only read probably the first five or six volumes. So I haven't. I haven't read the entire thing. Little Big Man is about a midget or a little person, and whatever is politically correct. A, a little a Tyrion person. Lannister. I know what you're saying. A Tyrion Lannister. And the thing is, Tyrion Lannister, the guy. What's his name? The um, the actor. I can't remember his name right now. It, anyways, this guy would be perfect for this role because I think Eric Powell like did this book specifically for this but it's about a, a little guy that comes back from vietnam war and um he just goes on a revenge killing spree and it is horrendous and beautiful at the same okay. time because it's just that, like, not to correct you Kenry, but it's, it's called the book's called big man plans big man plans that's okay. right that's right not little big man big man plans and it is hilarious and hilarious in a in a in a in a uh, in an ironic kind of way, right. you know what I mean? Oh, I think that's just what Eric so, does. You know, he's yeah. he's 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 a he's a silly man who writes awesome comics, and is better artist. I love it. Well, and the guy, the the looking at the picture here, uh, Peter Dinklage, who plays Tyrion Lannister on Looking of Thrones, looks a lot like the guy on the cover of the book. I, I think that's on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I wouldn't doubt that. You know, Eric's got enough feet in the fire or hands in the fire or whatever you'd say he may have met him and they may have a handshake deal we were talking about uh peter thank you for mentioning his name because i was like oh god Timmy, i love it <laughs> yeah it was driving me nuts yeah thanks. he was i mean i saw him in uh you know 
Elf and the uh, Colin Farrell movie. Um, oh my god, he was so funny. Oh, so great. Um, in Bruges, or I, I always say the name wrong. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, in Bruges. Yeah, yeah, that's he a good was, one. Was yes. he in that? Yes, he's a genius. He's so good. He is not. He is not a good actor for a little person. He is a great actor who happens to be and exactly that's right exactly. that's that's a perfect and that's why play. game of thrones is so good because Tyrion is written so well and you have an actor oh, who can nail it you know it's yeah he is so good yeah, he just has show. that presence I, you know he just has a huge presence on screen when he's on screen you know it's you know it's you know like even in the movie even in pixels which is you know, whatever, say whatever about it. He was good. <laughs> I, 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 I love Adam Sandler, but I have not. Um, I, I, <laughs> I get to his movies. Let's put it that way. I right. get to his movies. And I haven't gotten <laughs> right. to Pixels. And the great thing about Adam Sandler is half the time, you're like, this movie was awesome. The one he did with um, the Andy Samberg, where Andy Samberg was his son. My wife and oh, I, yeah. we... <laughs> almost fell off the couch the entire time we're like this is the funniest movie i've seen in years and it made like nine dollars right that netflix movie with david spade which did went nowhere but i actually thought it was really good uh the do-over or whatever it was i, it was I don't actually have netflix, funny. so i missed oh, it yeah, he's got a deal with netflix they paid him like 50 million dollars to do like three movies or four movies yeah. and he's just like i'll do it i don't care like sure yeah, yeah we're in the have wrong you business. heard of the podcast <laughs> the worst idea ever no <sighs> it is two dudes from new zealand and they review Grown Ups 2 every week for a year. <laughs> they force themselves to watch Grown Ups 2. They never watch Grown Up 1, by the way. Oh my it god. Is, that is, is genius. And the next year they went on to um, uh, what was the, the Sex in the City movie, the second one. Just oh, they're, oh, they're both stand-up comedians. They're both hilarious, and the podcast is phenomenal. Because in about the eighth week, like the one guy's like almost on suicide watch. He's like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. He's like, Oh nope, nope, we got to no, no, please let's let's change this. Nope, we're gonna do it. I'm gonna find that it's one. It's listening. Oh my god, the worst idea ever. I am totally doing um, that. It's it's brilliant. They're great. So fun. So, what do you think Hole in the Sky is going to be available? You think you're like another two years oh, off? Oh gosh. Well, you know, I got I've got to talk with Sean and get the real like. I know where I think it's going to go, but I really wanted an artist on it. You know, I, I hate to be like, you're going to do this, that, that, and the other thing. I want to be like, all right, here are my nine ideas. What are the five that really turn you on? You know, so yeah. it, you know, he knocks this out in you know two two and a half months. So that's that's pretty darn good in the indie in the indie time frame and, and the, the pages are beautiful. So I'm hoping that that will be out next year. But let's see, we're in 2017, 2018, I, 2018, 2019. I will have a one shot called Morte out at the end of the year, but the publisher has not announced it, so I can't announce who it's coming out with yet. Um, it yeah, is gotcha. a day in the life of the last man on earth, and the artist on that is David Bishop. He's a Canadian artist. I don't know oh, if you cool. know David, but he's uh, 
at Renerd on Twitter, and he he knocked the hell out of that book too. And what I'm excited about that book is it's a one shot, it's one awesome. and done, and the entire narration and dialogue consists of one letter. What? What? <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. Well, when it comes out, you have to come back on and talk about it. It's very difficult to talk about a book with zero dialogue and zero narration. <laughs> well, not zero, yeah. one letter. Yeah. Like we, our joke was one word, and then we realized it was a one-letter word. So you can guess what what the word is. There's only five possibilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. I wrote it with no narration. I wrote it with no narration, but but or with no dialogue. But David felt he felt there was one panel that he wanted a word and i was like if you know what i'm not gonna if you you know you're you're into this you know this is your world too so let's do it so technically i didn't even write the one word that's in it which is funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's hard to do as a writer did you have narration through it there's no narration no dialogue wow yeah, that's hard to do as a writer to write a story and tell a story, and then for the artist to translate that to pictures that actually make sense. Oh, he—that's impressive. He, well, you'll have to read it first to to find out. We might have just done gobbledygook that sucks, but we think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good. <laughs> that's to be what fun, matters. That's what matters. You think it's good? It's good. Yeah. He 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 nailed it. He just he nailed it. I came up with the idea flying home from New York Comic Con a couple years back I was the my artist and his girlfriend stayed like two days to see New York so it was like one of those things where I flew up with people and I flew back alone and you know you're in this like fugue state sitting on a plane that tired oh yeah just in a stupor yeah and I, yeah. I read I was reading New Scientist and just something hit me and I had something and I just started drawing it out and it is the story of the last man on earth and it's it's a story where you know the the whatever happened you know you, you may find out what happened you may not in the story uh the dead bodies are left so he's surrounded by the corpses and i was yeah. like there was no place for him to talk there was no place for him to say anything so it just and then i got like probably 14 pages in and i realized ooh let me see if I can finish this. You know what I mean? It was, I didn't set out to do it, but I realized halfway through what I had done. And I was like, well, well now it's a challenge. So, right. Challenge accepted. And I I wrote David because I needed a very specific style of art for this. And David is, knows how to draw the grotesque beautifully, if that makes sense. And I, and I just, I, I sent him an email. I knew him a little bit and I was just like, okay, First of all, you have to do all the work on this. Second of all, we can't market it because there's no, you know, dialogue. Third of all, and I, he said I put like nine bad things <laughs> and then the tenth. Okay, so now that I've got all the bad stuff out of the way, this is why I think we should do it. <laughs> and he, he wrote me back like three days later and he just said, I can't get that fucking story out of my head. I got to do it. And he... He's cool. a he's a college student. He's going back to school for nursing, and he woke up at four fifteen every day and drew at least a panel every day for almost a year to do the book. Wow! Yeah, yeah I want to read that or look at that. Wow. Now, yeah, now we kind of have it just from the, just that right there. I, 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 you know, like I've if if I have a career in this in this industry, it's because I have found great artists who are passionate about the books we work on. That's it. That's really That's cool. good. It sounds like you like to write stories that, that bring out the passion in the artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 
making money in this is not easy enough for it to be the goal. Right. Yeah, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong business. Yeah. If that's what so you want. <laughs> I mean, I, I think maybe if it were the '90s and it were real simple to make money. Yeah. If it were easy to make money, I can't say that I'm a noble person. I I might be doing the easy thing, but it's not easy to make money. So right. why don't why don't we try to make books that we at least have never seen before, so that when someone reads it. It's the first time they've ever read the story. So that's that's my goal. Yeah, that's cool. Inspiration. That's the word I was looking for. And I said passion, but I meant it sounds like your writing really inspired your artists, which is really good. Really cool. It's it's really it's how this thing works. I mean, I can't draw, so I have to yeah. I have to find people who are as passionate as I am and then give them something worth their time. Hey now, I've seen your drawings come through on the <laughs> newsletter and on Twitter. All right. So you know I can't draw. <laughs> yeah, so I can attest you can't draw. We're good. <laughs> Did Johnny tell you about his book that he's working on? Yeah, I'm very excited. I, I saw I saw a couple images, and uh, I've got to get on his uh, his web comic. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the web comic's nothing like the book I'm working on. Just so we're clear, the web comic's full of dick and fart jokes and Kevin Smith jokes and inappropriateness. <laughs> uh, I, I write a comic called Underwars. I, you know I'm going to love this that. <laughs> You'll fit right in, man. You'll love it. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a he's got a guy that jerks off in almost every. God. <laughs> well, it, in, in the first like hundred comics, yeah, he's, there's always there's a guy. He has a pink blanket. And he's always doing his business. Dude, I'm gonna sue you. You can't you can't put me in a comic without my me signing any contracts. Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew. <laughs> I thought he was drawing me in there, but you know, you know, when it comes down to it, <laughs> oh, Kevin, <laughs> that is a way to put somebody in a comic without worrying about getting sued. Cause no one, if they realize it's them is going to sue you. <laughs> There's exactly. no, like, oh, I was the <laughs> masturbator. <laughs> What's funny is that comic strip is actually based on my friends and the guy who that's based on was like, Oh, that's cool. Do it. <laughs> that's as long as he's your friend and not your roommate. That's okay. If he's your roommate. You got to walk around with some, <laughs> You got issues. Clorox. Don't touch any socks. <laughs> well, that whole joke came because that the friend of mine, he would go walk around to like parties and like go to shows with a blanket over his shoulders all the time. So he always had a blanket on him. So I just took it one step further and made his blanket his masturbating blanket. I mean, everybody needs one. Yeah, I'm right. I'm surprised you didn't call him Linus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, when we first started Underwars, you know, I didn't know if we were making an after school type comic or an adult swim type comic so you know my artist is is you 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 met chris there the long-haired guy is is the artist and he's co-writer and uh so he'd want to put in some pretty deranged stuff and i'd always like hold it out hold it out we don't really know what our audience is yet so we go to these shows with kind of weird comic but it's it's fine it's pg at its worst but my artist draws the monkey's package very three-dimensionally. Like, he'll hang it over the panels. Um, and, yes, he does. and so we have this big banner of this monkey, this huge package. And I don't really think much of it, you know, because I've seen it so much it doesn't even register to me. And I see these 10, 11, 12-year-old kids walk by, and I think I'm going to sell them a comic. Oh, and their eyes are like saucers looking at the monkey's package. And I swear to you, they actually slowly step away from the booth to get away from that fucking <laughs> monkey. And um, <laughs> so... We- as soon as I saw that, I turned to Chris and I said, okay, you know, it's Adult Swim. We're not safe anymore. 
go for it. So he's like, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so we put it in. And someone, we told the story to someone. They said, well, there's no full, you know, anal penetration. And Chris goes, well, actually. <laughs> in issue two, the monkey gets thrown out of a window and he lands on a kid. And the kid's head goes straight up the monkey's ass. Who's like, actually, we do have full anal penetration. It's not the kind you're thinking about, but we've got it. Well, that's that could, uh, that could happen, all right? You don't know. Physically, you know, as, as I understand physics, it absolutely can happen. Exactly. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world with a talking monkey and a big package like that, it can happen. We, we, we always say it's comics and it's science as we understand science. Exactly. <laughs> Which may not be the, you know, the right way, but whatever. I've watched Bugs Bunny. If I don't study gravity, I can... Don't I can look down, you won't fall. Yeah. Absolutely. See, there's Kevin. Perverting kids' minds one con at a time. We don't we don't even try for kids anymore. It's just fifteen and older. Fifteen and older. I gotta read that. I haven't read that. That sounds it's hilarious. Fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's definitely different. I have the PDF of the first issue I'll send you to read. It's pretty fun. Yeah, you should. That'd I'll be try funny. to I'll try to get you the PDF of issue two as well. That's what we have. We don't have issue three or four, but it gets worse as it goes. There's actually the the first <laughs> That's a good endorsement. It gets worse yes. as it goes. Just with stick it. with it's it. Gonna get yeah, that's really good. Bad. That's a great that, that's your tagline right there. It gets worse as it goes. Well, I don't know if you remember the, the <laughs> cover of Underwars. It actually has an asterisk, and it says, all new, somewhat different, with an asterisk. And at the bottom it says, including five pages we didn't think of before. Because when we <laughs> nice. first did it, I don't know how it happened, but we came up with you know the story that I thought was 18 pages. And we, we needed it done at a certain point, and Chris showed up, and he had 13 pages drawn. And it ended. And I was like, what happened to the other pages? He's like, no, this is what we got. I'm like, what do you mean? So our first comic was 13 pages long. And so I was selling them for three bucks. I was like, I can't sell a 13-page story for four bucks. It just doesn't feel right. And then when we knew kids didn't like it, we came up with five pages that we could fit into the story. And if you see something bad in the issue, they're in those five ish- those five pages, because we were like, now we need to throw in the dick and fart jokes, you know. So perfect. Biggest package bigger. Make it package you, bigger. If you think of indie comics as punk rock, you know, Tart is my Clash, and Underwars is my Sex Pistols, because it's or, or even maybe even Ramones. Oh, like funny. it's just like balls to the wall whatever it's just dirty it's just Just dirty dirty. it's definitely only three chords but we have a blast doing it right that's good that's That's good well i think it's about that time we've uh exhausted quite a bit of time here today it's been amazing thanks for coming on today kevin we really appreciate it hey listen you know we're small but we're growing and we're trying our hardest to get out there even more you're always welcome to come on anytime you want talk about anything you have going on or just if you just want to get out there and, and just hang out and, and, and bullshit. Well, I guess uh, before I go, I'll just tell if, if people are, I don't know if you said it in the, the early thing, if, if Tart interests them, they can read all five issues for free. All they got to do is go to www.kechalcomics.com slash read Tart. And I'll, I'll email them all five issues. And not because I'm a nice guy, because I think if they love them, they might support this Kickstarter in September. And, uh, you know, I'm like the guy in the uh, playground handing out pills. I hope they get addicted. <laughs> I love it. How do they get to the uh, well, You know what? It, there's no there's no URL until I hit send. So if they're on our email list, um, they will find out, I promise. 
and they can go to catchallcomics.com to, to subscribe to your email list. The, the catchallcomics.com slash readtart is the, the best way to do it. Uh, yeah, you that's know, okay. John, John went on my, my uh, website and it's uh, it's a website in that it exists, but in that it works well, <laughs> I'm not going to say so much. Yeah, if you go there, the, the link he said, you know, sign up for the email list and then you'll get a copy of the, the first five issues to read. And that, that'll put you on the list to get for the Kickstarter when it comes out, which is what you want to do because you want to read this. I trust, trust me, you do. Also, we're going to give – so, Kevin and Tanya, you gave us a copy of the, the trade that we're going to give away. Oh, wow. Nice. Well, what we're going to do is anybody listening who hears this, just tweet at us with hashtag – you know, SC Tart, and we'll put those all into a randomizer, and we'll pick somebody, and we'll, we'll mail a copy of this copy of the book. It's, you know, it's signed, and it's fresh from Kevin. We picked up at San Diego, and we'll give it to you to read, too. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate that. Spread the love. Exactly. Spread the love. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us today. That's Kevin Joseph. Check out Catch All Comics forward slash read Tart. Check out Tart Acid. She's an amazing character. You're going to love her. And tweeted us with hashtag SC Tart to enter the contest. Yes, SC Tart. Enter the contest at hashtag SC Tart. Get that free copy signed by Kevin Joseph. Can I enter? Because I'd love to get a signed copy. If you want to, go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, if you enter and win, we'll sign it for you too, okay? I I do want to say, I know you guys are excellent. One cute story i uh, i had my first comics at my first local comic shop cj's comics down here in my hometown oakland park florida which is basically just fort lauderdale and um i walk in and the the owner goes hey i sold some of your books i said oh, that, i mean i got yeah it's great he goes yeah your mom came in she signed she wanted to buy them because they were signed <laughs> you know what that's hilarious because about a year ago, I did a charity auction for some art. I had some artwork for another podcast. They auctioned off for charity, and my mom bought it. <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable. It's she adorable. outbid other people on eBay so she could win it. And I'm like, Mom, I'll, I'll just draw it for you. You know what? It's so it's so wonderful and beautiful and adorable and cute, and cute but they just don't get how you're like, I, I, I'll sign your book, Mom. <laughs> that's 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 true support, though. You know what I mean? It, yeah, I I, I I love that story because I love my mom and she's a a, a, a wonderful woman. And your mom sounds pretty cool. I know too. I'm special because my mom tells me. That. That's right. Moms are awesome. I love my mom. She's great. Okay. I think with that, we are out. That is an amazing time. Thanks, Kevin, for joining us. Hope to talk to you very soon. Good luck on Tart. Good luck on Hole in the Sky. And good luck on uh, DeMorte. Is that right? DeMorte? Just Morte. But if you want to say DeMorte, I'm happy with it. <laughs> no, just Morte. You know, good luck on Morte. There's yeah. no dialogue. We should make the title like 75 words. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this book is about perfect. Like that, like the Fiona Apple album when the pawn is like. Yeah. All right, thank you for listening.